G'day everybody and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm your host Emma Doyle, coach for success in sport and business. G'day everybody and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle and I'm here with Kim Miles. We recently met through the ICF, the International Coach Federation, Colorado chapter. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Emma. I'm excited to get to connect with you. Absolutely. And learn more about each other and uh, your executive coaching practice. So uh, the first question straight off the bat is the Vegemite question, the Australian <laughs> spread. Now, I, I really, we haven't got to know each other that well yet, so I have no idea whether, have you tried it? You either love it or you strongly dislike it. What's your take? I have not tried it and I do want to with hesitancy. I'll just say I've heard the mixed bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a feeling because I'm in Colorado, you're in Colorado, we just, uh, we're going to find a way to make that happen. All right. So because you answered that way, the choice is yours. You can choose to share with us first your worst coaching moment and what were the lessons or your best coaching moment and what were the lessons? Oh, excellent. Thank you. I will choose the best coaching moment. Um, which actually happened recently, and it's just a hallmark moment in my opinion, but I've got this amazing client who I've been working with for almost a year. He's done a lot of deep work in the past, and we're really in a fantastic coaching rhythm. And um, in a recent session, he was talking about his uh, upcoming promotion and working toward that, and I asked him, uh, if you were to have someone describe you, how would you want them? What would you want them to say? And he went through the whole process of describing it. And then at the end of the session, I asked what his biggest takeaway was. And he said his biggest takeaway was that he wanted to really be who he is all the time. Mm. And it was just such a fantastic moment. And what I really learned, um, and it's something that we all know as coaches, is when you can get to the, the who a person is, um, that's where the magic happens. That's, that's the moment that shifts your life most of the time. And um, I realized how easy it is just to ask a person who they are, who they want to be. Mm, what a fantastic coaching question. And the other thing I like in what you said, Kim, is at the end, so often, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I ask somebody, oh, what was your takeaway? Often it's not what we're thinking in our heads as well. No matter how many times I work with people, I'm like, oh, so what was your takeaway? And I'm thinking, oh, it was definitely that because, you know, that's where the biggest aha moment was. And they say something completely different that is so awesome. And, and then I learned so much more about them through what their takeaway was. That, that's great. Um, could, could you do the flip side as well for us? Would you mind sharing a coaching moment that didn't go so well? Yeah, I would say, um, and I have many of them, unfortunately, uh, but I really feel like the worst coaching moments for me are when I pick up on something, I have an intuitive sense about something, and for whatever reason, I step over it. Sometimes there's a valid reason. They're in a moment. They're in a, a focus. They say what they want to get out of the session and why. And, um, you know, again, my worst coaching moments are when I I pick up on something that's that deeper level thing and, and don't give them the option to uh, address that as opposed to 
the deeper level question of what they said they wanted to get out of the session. Mm, mm. Another great insight for us all to be very mindful of. Thank you. The next question is the sliding doors questions. Yeah, and I, I do believe that that there are just so many moments, sliding door moments like that. Uh, the one that is most significant as it relates to coaching is that I went to a networking event uh, and it was an ATD networking event. And I networked, I met people, and I happened to meet this woman who I connected with. Uh, she was a nice woman. I really enjoyed talking with her. Later, we talked. She asked if I was interested in working as an internal coach for her. At the time, it, it wasn't a good fit. Fast forward a year later, and it was a good fit. And um, it ended up being one of the most uh, accelerated learning opportunities for me and that working for her and for that organization, I was able to get my master's. I was able to work alongside with a true organizational development guru and a whole team that was just a top-notch leadership development team. And so I would say that it accelerated my, my skills, not only in coaching, but just across the board in all things leadership. Mm, fantastic. And was there a moment when you realized that one year later that this is, was there something there that where you went, yeah, actually now I'm ready? No, I, I wouldn't say that it was, it was a specific moment when I realized it as much as points in time when I would look back and say, oh my gosh, I, I guess I have this whole new tool belt and this whole new skill set that I could contribute to being in that organization with her. Mm. Having a great environment to accelerate learning, it's, it's invaluable, isn't it? No matter how many courses we take and degrees we have, and uh, I think putting yourself in the right place at the right time, that's um, super awesome. Okay, so our holy grail question of coaching is in one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great coach? Mm. Accessing your intuition. Mm. Fantastic. Could you now now you're allowed to expand <laughs> if you if you wish? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I believe that what makes a really great coach is the ability to be so incredibly present that you're accessing your intuition so that then you can access the deepest level of your client beyond what they're even accessing. Mm. Yep. And helping them move beyond what they ever could have imagined. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's super awesome. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Thank you. It's why we do what we do. I love that. I love that answer. Uh, and finally, our, our last official question on the podcast is where we ask you to ask us a question. So we want to know what sparks Kim Miles' curiosity? So I always love to hear what other coaches practices to access that intuition. Great question. We've never had that question on the podcast <laughs> so far. So yeah, Excellent. I love that it ties into what makes a great coach. Fantastic. 
Thank you so much. So now, now I get to go a little rogue on the podcast, always my, yes. my fun section <laughs> where we just chat about coaching. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, your early career in engineering. Could you share with us even that environment that you were in? And was there anything during that period that then set you up for success as, as a coach today? Yeah, and it actually is, I'm going to go back even before uh, I became an engineer and give give the story. So I became an engineer out of laziness. And what I mean by that is I was in high school, good at math and science, and knew I wanted to go to a college locally. And so as I was collecting all of the college applications, uh, Colorado School of Mines, which is a great coaching school here in Colorado and, and well-known across the country. Um, it was the shortest application. <laughs> so I filled it out. I got accepted. And then, you know, within, within weeks, I got accepted. A couple weeks got accepted and thought, well, let me look at the next application. And, and I looked at all the other applications were seven pages with an essay and and at the time as a you know spry 18 year old I was like that seems like too much work I'll just go to engineering school oh well yeah yeah and so then just being um competitive uh with myself and and a hyper achiever I would say I went to school and even though I wasn't passionate about it even though um I could do the work uh, I I really felt like I needed to prove that my father's money spent on college tuition was worth it. So, <laughs> oh, that's a great story. So, <laughs> so what yeah. advice what advice do you have for listeners out there that are doing doing something on somebody else's terms? Yeah, I mean, I I really think that number one, if we talk about those uh, sliding door moments. I do believe that every choice that we make leads us to a, a fantastic place that we would have never dreamed of. Um, I also believe that when you know, when you have that gut instinct, when you know deep down inside that there is something that just is not resonating with you, uh, to find the courage to explore it. And ultimately it will end up what it is, but if you don't explore it, then it just means more work later, which it did for me. Ultimately, I landed where I am in coaching with probably more passion than I could even imagine uh, because I went through uh, about 15 years in an industry and in, uh, in a career that I just wasn't passionate about. Mm. So important. This this theme of I definitely know what the through line of this episode is about accessing our intuition because so often we feel that in the gut, don't we? That something's not mm -hmm. right, or yet we still don't listen to that to that inner voice. How do you help your clients listen to their inner voice? What are some of your strategies? You know, really, I think it's about uh, me being present with them and speaking their voice for them. And that comes in a variety of different ways, which includes what I'm hearing you say, you're using these words, your body language is expressing this, which is not in alignment. 
with, you know, what they say uh, they ultimately want to experience, but then also picking up on energy shifts, picking up on their, their presence and their being, uh, which then gives voice to it that they may not have either heard themselves or maybe they are kind of denying because it's uncomfortable. Mm. And I love that. That's a great little tip for coaches, just even a reminder to what I'm hearing is and just reflecting back the words that they use. And then it's so many times too, I didn't say that, you know, especially in, in the elite sporting world, oh, that actually didn't happen. And yet it so did. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? Playing another great coaching tool, playing, choosing to play above the line or below the line. I really, mm-hmm. I love, I love that little tool as well to help people identify that they do have choice over things that, that they can control. Um, fantastic. So let's shift into your new role with the, uh, the ICF uh, credentialing department with ICF Colorado chapter. Tell me about role. What is, what does it involve? What's that all about? So the role as a director of credentialing. And um, one of the things that the former director of credentialing, uh, Walt Hastings, he is so passionate about mastery and coaching. And he is so passionate about coaches being able to develop the skills that will make them great coaches so that they can have an incredible impact on the world. So I was lucky enough to hear his vision, recognize that it does align with my vision uh, because coaching mastery is something that I'm very passionate about as well. Uh, The role itself means, uh, requires me to understand who in our chapter has a credential, what they're working toward for a credential, as well as if they're even aware of, of the value and the benefits of credentialing. So many times I think people look at credentialing as uh, just letters that you're trying to get behind your name, uh, perhaps um, some kind of a status symbol that you've made it in some way. And the fact that it truly is about mastery, it's about skills mastery, it's about self-mastery. And so um, I'm very excited to be in the role. I'm very excited to support our members in uh, in understanding the benefits and values and and doing everything that we can to support them getting there. It's really a beautiful reframe. You know, it's mastery of skills rather than, oh, I need to get a point or I need this many points to keep a license. Or, you know, a friend of mine uh, recently is an accountant and she was just did one day of, you know, back-to-back webinars just so she could tick off, you know, a license Uh, and You know, it, it's sometimes uh, I think as coaches, it is so important because, yeah, we are all busy and time poor. So being able to see it in a new, through a new lens cap, such as mastery mm-hmm. of skills. I mean, who doesn't want to get better as a coach? I think the day that we think we think that we, we've mastered coaching is, is, uh, is the day we should maybe trust a different intuition. Uh, (laughs) Fabulous. Yeah. Wonderful. So what are your thoughts on back to intuition, the great resignation, uh, people that are going through the great reevaluation and they're listening to this intuition and they're saying something's not right. Um, What would you say for any of 
those listeners and also the people who, who are coaching people through change? What are your thoughts mm-hmm. on, on that right now? And, and why do you think it's happening? Yeah, well, certainly the pandemic, I think, um, accelerated. I think it was happening already. Uh, I believe that in the, the, at least in the United States, uh, the pressure to do more and to have more has just grown exponentially since, you know, over the last five to 10 years. And, and, you know, we can blame a lot of things. I certainly blame uh, social media because there are so many things that we have access to, insights into other people's, I'm going to air quote lives, you know, whatever life they're, they're portraying, um, that I think puts, puts forth in us desires of, of things that are not either realistic or maybe um, what's out there on social media isn't even realistic for the person who's putting it out. So I think that that started uh, the chaos of people's lives, day-to-day lives. And I think that like with everything, there's the tipping point. And I thought that we were approaching the tipping point. I actually have thought we were hoping that we were approaching the tipping point for several years because I thought working even in a, a large corporation, there's only so much you can do in the time afforded. And there was always more pressure. There's always no, do one more, do one more. And in that corporation, that was their... Uh, the thing that they touted is they were like, we're all about one more. And I thought, that's unrealistic. Uh, but the pandemic, I think, forced all people across the world to look at how they're spending their life, mm-hmm. uh, that spending their time day to day. And when we were locked in, we had to look around and ask ourselves, are we getting what we're putting in? So I think that that's, that's what's happened and what has accelerated that. Uh, to your question of, of how do you help people navigate that and address the change, I think it's a lot of what we've already talked about in terms of holding that mirror up and letting them see for themselves exactly what they're experiencing mm-hmm. and allowing them to, the space to make a judgment on if that's acceptable or not and uh, and make that judgment in a safe space in a space where they can say something like i thought i wanted to be a senior vice president and now i'm looking at being a senior vice president and it is not who i want to be And they can't say that in their normal world. Sometimes they can't even say that to their spouses because of pride and ego and maybe even just the fact that uh, that they are the major breadwinner Mm. and the thought of saying, I don't want this job that has afforded so many things could be devastating to a marriage or to a home or whatever. So Mm. Mm. I think that coaches offer that space I think that we offer the ability for people to truly be who they are in that hour, or however long that we're with them. Mm. And it's a welcomed relief 
among the chaos that that many of us just live day to day yeah i again the mirror isn't it it's it's this concept of self-reflection and thinking mm -hmm. about the vision of who we who we want to be to help us to get to where we we need to go i think is is a great coaching skill mm -hmm. what's the one skill that you think that coaches struggle to master mm -hmm. Well, I know the one that I struggled early on, and I would say that keeps rearing its ugly head once in a while, is the, the desire uh, to be helpful and or an expert in the space. And really, it's I don't even want to say it's pushing my own agenda, but for example, if I'm working with a client and they... Um, are tackling a, a challenge, let's say, with designing their own organization. And that's something, you know, I got my master's in organizational leadership, and I'm very excited about, and I love talking through organizational design. And when I get into those spaces, my expertise or my experience, I want to bring that forward. And certainly, some clients actually want that and there are times and places for that but in 99 percent of my coaching sessions that's the one that that really it's not about me and that's not even what they're asking for mm -hmm. so this comes back to to listening which is in uh we've got over 500 responses to what makes a great coach and, and listening comes in at number three uh yes of, of i can responses. imagine yeah that's really interesting too because i come from a sporting background. And so there's this expertise of knowledge around technical aspects that need to be shared. And yeah. the word that I've been playing around with lately, which is completely made up, of course, uh, is couture. You know, I'm a couture. It's the coach hat and then there's the mentor mm -hmm. hat and really understanding what the client wants first is one of my new sort of favorite favorite coaching words. How do I balance the, the couture way of being in a coaching context or in a sporting context? And then how to to find that balance I find is is super fun. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that word that you made up. Mm, mm, C-O-A-T-O-R, couture. Yeah, rolls off the tongue very, very easily. So let's go now to what would you say, just three great, tips three pieces of advice for our listeners who are with coaches from all over the world and a lot of sporting coaches and and business coaches what, what are your three top tips that you would say the first one is to coach more which <laughs> the more you coach the more likely you will master coaching uh reflect more and, you know, once again, the more that you are able to dig into your own coaching, um, to dig into how you're showing up and what's going on with you, uh, the more likely it is that you'll be able to get into a space of presence and access that intuition that we talked about mm -hmm. earlier. Mm -hmm. um, and then probably the third one would be uh, engage with other coaches. Because one thing that I found, you know, in, in the whatever industry it is, right, when you are in with your colleagues that do what you do, you talk shop. And 
it is the place in which you can be challenged and where you can get new ideas and where you can feel more like yourself than you do anywhere else. And so for coaches, that's one thing that I certainly have found, and especially with the ICF Colorado chapter, we all want to have that conversation. We want to coach. We want to be coached. We want to be in coaching. And so um, when you're in the community of like-minded people, mm-hmm. you can you can really be who you want to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Uh, I really resonate with that. It's why that you're on the podcast. <laughs> Just a, a reach out on LinkedIn, post a, a meeting we had last week. And it's, yeah, it's certainly the reason that we can always pick up on something. And that's why I love the coaching podcast as a platform to be able to do that. And I think also when we feel challenged, it's a great reminder of just little bits of feedback that we need to work Mm -hmm. on within ourselves, isn't it? So anyone can benefit from that. That's awesome. And finally, I'll finish with my last question, which is what are you thinking deeply about at the moment that maybe other people think, oh, that's a little crazy or (laughs) (laughs) as it relates to coaching, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that uh, what's really on my mind for this year, and I am extremely open to it. And this is where it, it feels a little crazy that I am really in a space about collaboration and I don't know what that looks like, and especially with coaching. Um, in the past, a lot of the collaboration that, I, that I've participated in is collaborating, for instance, to provide a mentor coaching service, collaborating to provide some kind of a program. But I'm really just in, in a very deep level feeling like there's something a little bit more expansive that's happening. And so I'm exploring it seeing what that collaboration looks like. And I don't even know that it's about business, you know, that it's about coaching as a business. I'm not quite sure what it's about, but it is, uh, it's been kind of tapping on my shoulder for about three or four months now. So Mm. Mm. I love that. One thing that's been uh, tapping on my shoulder as I've been reflecting always December, January is that, that great time to, to do that is connections. So thank you for this connection. Uh, and I look forward to collaborating through our intuition and of yes. course, accessing our intuition, uh, coaching more, reflecting more and engaging with other coaches, like-minded, amazing people like Kim Miles. Thank you so much for being on the coaching podcast. Thank you, Emma. I appreciate you. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring you this episode on The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle and I'm a performance co-tour that's coach and mentor. If you'd like to become a high-performance workplace coach, then check out www.emmadoyle.com.au and start your journey today. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to give it a rating and a review on your podcast listening device.